Your film is now ready to be shown. Good morning. I'm Justin Hendricks, editor of Tech Policy Press, a nonprofit media and community venture intended to provoke new ideas, debate, and discussion at the intersection of technology and democracy. In 2004, Mark Zuckerberg launched The Facebook at Harvard University before rolling the social networking site out to other students at Dartmouth, Columbia, Yale, and beyond. Soon, it was available on hundreds of college and university campuses, and thereafter, the rollout included high schools. Now, there are nearly 3 billion monthly active users of the site, and it is readily apparent that the service has had a significant impact on society in a variety of ways. One such impact is on mental health. Researchers have found that Facebook use is associated with multiple mental health issues, ranging from anxiety, insomnia, depression, and addiction, to body image and eating disorders, alcohol use, and more. But while much of the evidence collected is concerning, most such studies have not identified a solid causal connection between Facebook and negative mental health, and many skeptics remain. But in today's episode, we're going to discuss one study that does appear to draw a causal connection between the use of Facebook and poor mental health. I first came across this paper in a Twitter thread by MIT professor Sanan Aral, who said the paper should, quote, mark a turning point in the debate on mental health effects of social media, and thus the debate about the safety of these platforms and products for our kids and ourselves, unquote. Two of the paper's authors joined me last month to explain their methodology and how the results fit into the broader emerging science on the impact of social media on mental health. Their effort took them right back to the beginning of Facebook and its rollout on college campuses. I'm Luca Bragieri. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Decision Sciences at Bocconi University in Italy. I'm Alexei McCarran. Um, I'm an assistant professor in applied economics at uh, the MIT uh, Sloan School of Management. So I first encountered this new paper that you've written recently uh, in a thread from Sinan Aral, uh, who said that this was an important and amazing paper on the causal link between social media use and mental health. And we're going to talk a little bit about what you did in this research and what your findings were. But first, can we just speak a little bit about what your research area is generally? Um, So Luca, perhaps we'll start with you. Most of my research is in behavioral economics and political economy. And I started thinking about the effects of social media primarily from a political economy standpoint. So there's a lot of talk about social media having large effects or producing producing large externalities on democracies and also large effects, large political effects in, say, authoritarian countries. Alexei has done some work on that. And so that's where I approached uh, the problem of social media to begin with. But once I started thinking about it, then, you know, a lot of other interesting questions cropped up and in particular potential negative effects of social media on mental health, especially among teenagers. And Alexi, what about you? Uh, Luca and I, we have a relatively similar background. So most of my research is in a subfield of economics called political economy, which is sort of at the intersection between political science and economics. So we study how politics affects economics and the and, and vice versa, right? And so uh, part of my research was on the impact of social media. Uh, that's 
how I got into that. As Luca mentioned, we had this paper on the impact of, on the on the causal impact of social media uh, on anti-authoritarian protest participation in Russia, and that got us thinking about what else can social media affect. And of course, social media is on top of everybody's minds. So, so eventually, we were hoping to write something about that, and I'm very happy that we were able to do it. So let's talk about this July 2022 paper, Social Media and Mental Health, which uh, you two co-authored uh, with a third author, uh, Roy Levy. You know, social media, mental health, particularly a mental health among uh, youth is, of course, a hot button issue. Um, it is the kind of underlying uh, issue in a lot of legislation uh, focused on on- online harms. How did you sort of get into this topic? What were the kind of big uh, themes that led you to do this research? Yeah, so we started off by noticing that the mental health trends of adolescents and young adults in the United States and in in various other countries have worsened considerably over the last 10 years. And since the sort of since the point in time in which those trends began to worsen is around the time in which social media was introduced, then that led many to speculate that social media might be at least a contributing factor to this worsening of mental health trends. And so what we did was try to expand on the existing literature. We documents a correlation between the use of social media and uh, negative mental health outcomes and try to come in with something that can more plausibly establish causation, more plausibly say that social media causes, in fact, negative effects on mental health. So speak to me a little bit about the methodology for this particular research. Uh, What did you set out to do and what was the sort of experimental setup? So we rely on uh, the empirical strategy called the Difference in Differences Empirical Framework. Uh, And when we apply it to our particular case, we are basically comparing the changes in the mental health of college students in colleges that just received Facebook versus changes in mental health conditions of um, college students in colleges that did not receive Facebook at the time. And under the assumption that, at least before the introduction of Facebook, the mental health conditions were evolving along parallel trends among different colleges, we are able to establish the causality. Can we talk a little bit about the data sources? Um, I know that you have essentially two specific data sources. They're fairly large data sources for that matter. Sure. So there are two key components in this in this empirical strategy. So there are two sources of data that we need. The first one is we need to know when Facebook was rolled out at various colleges in the United States. And so one of our data sets simply tells us the date in which Facebook was rolled out at each of 775 colleges. The second data set is from the American College Health Association, and it is a data set that contains the answers to a survey called the National College of Assessment. And that is a survey that inquires about students' uh, mental and physical health. And so we have data going between the spring of 2000 and the spring of 2008. This is a survey that is, um, that is administered twice a year. And then there are different universities that drop, drop in and out of, of each way. So we have all the, basically the universe of answers between 2000 and 2008. Can you tell us a little bit more about this national college health assessment? Uh, what is it for and you know, how does it work? 
So it's uh, the most comprehensive survey about student mental health and physical health um, that is available at the, at the time around Facebook expansion. So that's why we use it. The survey is available for more than 350 colleges uh, and uh, more than 300,000 college students. So you've got a lot of uh, data about the sort of mental health um, and you know general health of, of these students. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, I guess, quantitative approach that you had to meshing that information uh, and then kind of comparing it to the presence of Facebook on those campuses? So our empirical strategy, like Alexei said, is a difference in differences. The idea there is you have something like a control group. So these are say students attending colleges that do not have Facebook access and you look at how their mental health evolves over time. And then you compare that evolution to the evolution of the mental health of students attending colleges that just received Facebook access, okay? And so all you need to do in order to run that empirical strategy, you need to know the college that a student attends, you need to know the survey wave that the student participated in, which tells you, so the two of them tell you whether Facebook was available at the college at the time. You need to know the student's answers to the survey. So those are the outcome variables. And then you can basically carry out our empirical strategy. And so again, you can compare the mental health of students that attended, that are that take the survey right after Facebook was released at their colleges to the mental health of students that attend colleges where Facebook had not yet been released. And how did you kind of deal with, you know, the possibility of there being some other external factor? Um, how do you kind of pinpoint Facebook? Yeah, so whatever external factors you, you would be thinking of, uh, they would have to follow the same staggered rollout in the same way as Facebook did, which is, um, we think that it's implausible. It would also have to appear exactly at the same time when Facebook started to roll out and have no influence before, because before 2004, we observed that mental health of college students in colleges in different Facebook expansion waves, as we call them, um, those men- mental health conditions were evolving on parallel, parallel trends before that. So, so that external factor needed to switch on precisely when Facebook uh, was started to roll out and it needed to switch on precisely in the same uh, staggered manner, which is difficult to think of. Uh, it's difficult to think of such external factors. You did address this idea of stigma, though, as an alternative explanation. Uh, sure. Let me maybe take a step back and say one thing about what, what Alexei just said. So one thing that is that, that Alexei mentioned is that our setting is particularly, lends itself particularly well to the analysis we're trying to carry out because the rollout of Facebook was staggered. So it just Facebook was rolled out at different colleges at different points in time. And so imagine Facebook had been rolled out everywhere at the same time, they would be more worried about confounding factors, right? Maybe there could have been a confounding, one confounding factor that occurred precisely at that time when Facebook was rolled out. So that would be, that would be definitely a concern. It seems less likely that there would be the same confounding factor that occurs at the same time precisely in the colleges where Facebook is rolled out in this staggered adoption set. So that, that to us seems confounds seem to be less likely because of the, the staggered adoption nature of, uh, of Facebook. Uh, as far as stigma is concerned, yeah, so we were worried. I think this is a general worry about the increase in, in this mental 
health or like the worsening of mental health trends, one important question in general is, is this a worsening of real baseline mental health or is this an increased willingness to discuss mental health, increased willingness to maybe go to the doctor and get a, a mental health care diagnosis? Um, and we were worried about that in the context of our paper as well, because you can imagine a world in which Facebook gets rolled out, students go on, participate in sort whatever, whatever Facebook discussions about mental health, and then that reduces stigma. And so we have a, a variety of strategies to try to, to counter that, and maybe I can let Alexei discuss those. Yeah, so one of the strategies we use is just to see whether on Facebook there were any discussions about mental health. It seems like it was uh, not really, according to the literature that we found, uh, it was not really uh, a big deal uh, on Facebook at the time. Another thing that we do is um, we show that, so in our survey, we find, we also have questions about the take-up of under-depression therapy, of under-depression uh, medication, and uh, and actual depression diagnosis. So we also find effects for those variables. So if you are to believe that it's only about how I feel about myself now, suddenly after Facebook rolled out, I feel sad and uh, nothing else is going on. Uh, not only I feel sad, but also for the most predisposed uh, students, based on their immutable characteristics, we find that they also actually do something about it. So they go to the doctor and uh, potentially take anti-depression therapy, take up anti-depression therapy and uh, medication. So there are a variety of different mental health conditions that are described by the responses to the NCHA survey, as I understand it, attention deficit disorder, depression, anxiety disorder, seasonal effect disorder, eating disorder, stress, sleep difficulties. Was there any kind of granularity in the connection to any of these specific issues with regard to the rollout of Facebook? Uh, what do you mean by granularity? I suppose, you know, you've made a connection between poor mental health generally and the rollout of Facebook. Yeah. Uh, is there any kind of, I guess, more specific connection or yeah. maybe more pronounced connection between one of those conditions versus the other? Yeah, so a bit, yeah. So the, the NCHA survey has many questions about depression, fewer questions about other conditions. So as far as depression is concerned, we have a host of depression symptoms. As Alexei mentioned, we have self-reported take-up of depression therapy, um, use of antidepressants, etc. And we find definitely on all the symptoms of depression, we find that the introduction of Facebook uh, had a, worsened them, and in many cases, significantly so. There were a few a few conditions where we expected to see some movement, but we didn't detect much movement. And those were eating disorders. So things like anorexia and bulimia. So this was somewhat surprising to me, especially given the fact that the mental health crisis among the adolescents is primarily uh, related to teenage girls and has to do at least in part with their body image, or at least people think that that's the case. And so I expected to see more on, on these eating disorders, but one possibility for why we might not see much on them is that we're just looking at a slightly different population from the population that might be more severely affected. So here we're looking at 18 to 22 year olds, and it is possible that the population that would be, that could be more, more severely affected by, the, by social media as far as eating disorders are concerned would be maybe a population of 
younger teenagers, so maybe 13 uh, to 15, 17 year olds. Let's talk about some of the mechanisms where you feel that this depression is perhaps coming from, or these effects of mental health are coming from. Uh, you name uh, a handful of them and essentially present evidence of a connection to all of them. Yes, yeah, so we can see there are several mechanisms. Uh, so one is social comparisons, available social comparisons. The second one is uh, disruptive internet use. And the third one is sort of indirect. It could be that social media affects some other third variables in behaviors, for example, alcohol use or drug use. And that in turn could indirectly affect mental health. So these are the three uh, mechanisms that we consider. So in the end, we find most support for the first one, which is the unfavorable social comparisons. And uh, we do not find much support for the other two. So let's talk about what unfavorable social comparison is. Yeah, so unfavorable social comparisons is simply the idea that you might go on social media, so you might be a social media user, go on Facebook, and then once you're there, you might compare yourself to others, uh, to the pictures that you see of your friends and acquaintances. And to the extent that those comparisons are unfavorable, they might be detrimental to your self-esteem and mental health. And the thing that I think is possibly particularly pernicious about social media is the fact that what people put on social media, the, the way they portray their lives on social media is very inflected. Rarely do you see pictures in which people don't look very good. Rarely do you see pictures of people doing boring activities. Generally, everybody portrays a very exciting version of their lives, a highly curated version of their lives. And so if you're a social media user and you're a bit naive, you might not understand how curated other people's lives, at least the portrayals of their lives are. And so I think that in fact, it may be the case that you, you might consider many more social comparisons as unfavorable than there actually would be if you had full information or if you were able to process information correctly. So are you able to tell something about the kind of degree of this effect of the, I suppose, causes of depression or inputs on depression? What is the degree of effect that you're able to observe of the introduction of Facebook on these figures? We aggregate all of our, all of our mental health-related questions into one big index called Index of Poor Mental Health. So we find that the introduction of Facebook led to the worsening of this index of poor mental health by about 8.5% of standard deviation. And that's a reasonably sizable impact. Uh, so for instance, uh, as a point of comparison, we find that it's about one-fifth of the impact of losing one's job on mental health as compared to the effects found uh, in a meta-study that we cite in the paper. And we also do uh, a back on the level of the level calculation where we think under relatively strong assumptions how much Facebook can explain in this big trend of worsening of mental health conditions uh, of young adults in the United States over the past 15 years. And we find that it's about 25%. But of course, that can, take, can be taken with a greater amount of salt. I mean, that's a pretty sizable impact. It means that you know, essentially you're observing that Facebook is contributing to the decline in mental health uh, in this youth population fairly significantly. It's not the only cause, perhaps, uh, certainly perhaps not the greatest cause, but uh, appears to be exacerbating the mental health situation. Definitely. So, so I would, as Alexei said, I would take a grain of, with a grain of salt, the part of the paper in which we say, in which we try to quantify what part, you know, what fraction of the worsening in mental health of adolescents and young adults over the last 
10, 15 years can be attributed to Facebook, but still the effects we find, which are in the ballpark of 0.1 standard deviation units are effects that are non-negligible. Um, and I think those are effects that you know we want to definitely think about and possibly be worried about from a policy standpoint. And so this was looking at, at data, mental health data, you know, now from, you know, 20 years ago, a critic might come and say, oh, you know, Facebook's completely changed and the teens are on Instagram and TikTok these days anyway. How would you kind of address that on some level, uh, especially the kind of concern that perhaps Facebook itself has changed its features? We know that it's doing internal research on this stuff. So perhaps, you know, they've addressed this already. To the extent that social media is still having its some core features that relate to social comparisons, and to the extent that social comparisons is the driving force behind our uh, results that we find, the negative impact of uh, Facebook on mental health, we believe that our results very easily extend to other social media platforms and to Facebook right now. And the second point I want to make is that actually, if you look at public media discourse right now about Facebook and other social media platforms, they typically talk a lot about features that did not even exist back in the day in 2004, 2005, 2006. So they're talking about political news uh, being the source of uh, depression. They are talking about algorithms, like button, um, various features that actually did not exist back in the day. And because we find negative effects, even in that environment, one might be concerned that potentially uh, something in the nature of social media is uh, driving negative effects uh, on mental health. You write that the mechanisms whereby Facebook use can affect mental health might have been exacerbated rather than mitigated by many of the technological changes undergone by Facebook and related platforms in the last 15 years. So there's at least some reason to believe it's probably a worse effect um, at present than it was in past. Well, I think that we the, the closest piece of actual evidence that we have on that is from a paper that I wrote with Zagai Himaya, Majensko, and Hunt Alko back in, I guess, maybe the, we ran an experiment in 2018. So, so in that, what we did there is like, we recruited a, about 1,600 Facebook users, and then we randomized them into a treatment and a control group. We paid the treatment group to deactivate their Facebook accounts for a month, and then we did nothing to the control group. And so now we could study the effects of deactivation on a variety of outcomes, including things like subjective well-being. And we had one question about depression. And it turns out that if you spend a month, if you are paid to the act, so you're in the treatment group, so you're paid to deactivate your Facebook account for a month, it turns out to be the case that you report a decrease in symptoms of depression. And that decrease, if you look at the magnitude of that effect, that is actually pretty close to the magnitude of the effect that we find in our new paper. And so I think we have fairly direct evidence that uh, the effects have not changed dramatically over time, even though these are, you know, I just got to say that these are very different studies done, different samples uh, with different methodologies. But even said, even, you know, despite all that, the, the, the coefficients are, are fairly close to one another. So let's talk about the final two kind of areas. Uh, one is, you know, what open questions this research leaves that you intend to try to address in the future. Um, and then second, have you had any response uh, either from the company or any external party on this research? So I think in terms of open questions, uh, who come to mind? So the first one is, okay, so we're talking about the negative impacts of uh, social media. So what are the potential positive impacts of social media? So the, I think the positive, the benefits of social media actually 
are relatively understudied, surprisingly. And the second question is, okay, so you find this negative impact of social media on mental health. So what can be done about it? So what are the interventions that might help? And that's also a, a relatively understudied area. I myself do not have a, any work in that area right now, but uh, I don't know, maybe Luca does. <laughs> but these are the questions that come to mind. In terms of the response, so I talked to the Office of Communication in the UK, who is an entity that is at least in charge of studying um, the media landscape in the UK and suggesting regulations. And so they were very interested in this kind of research and they are trying to yeah, replicate not maybe this particular study, but some of the studies in this literature um, in the context of the UK and then try to suggest policy reforms to the government. And of course, uh, Ofcom is, uh, you know, the regulator of record, I suppose, uh, designated in the online safety bill. I suppose similarly, we have the Kids Online Safety Act uh, under consideration here in the United States, which I suppose to some extent could be, you know, informed by research like this. So I also wanted to mention that uh, Luca presented this this work in the Italian uh, National Health uh, Service uh, back in the day. And recently I presented this paper to... Uh, staff at MIT Medical. So it seems that medical community is pretty much interest, is very much interested. On the side of companies, uh, we have not heard from Facebook directly. So one thing that we found interesting is that we also observe some downstream effects of social media on academic performance. So we got a little bit lucky that in the survey, there is a specific question about whether you feel that your academic performance, your academic performance got worse because of reason X. And one of the reasons listed was mental health, mental health related conditions. And we do indeed find that after Facebook rolls out at the college, students report that their academic performance got worse because of mental health issues. So you're actually able to see that kind of roll on effect or, or extract from mathematically backwards to, to see the, the effect on literally their grades. So we do not have grades themselves. Uh, unfortunately, we only have the survey. Yeah. Their reported uh, academic exactly. performance, right? It's like they, their subjective assessment of their academic performance. Anything else that you all want to add? We're very happy with the paper we wrote, but I think in general, it's very good to look at literatures more than individual papers. And I think there is a literature on the effects of social media on mental health that, that encompasses correlational studies. It encompasses field experiments, it encompasses laboratory experiments, and then quasi-experimental papers like the one we just wrote. And I think that that literature paints a fairly coherent picture. So above and beyond what anybody thinks about this particular paper, I think it's it would be good to grapple with that entire literature that I think paints the picture that social media is detrimental to the mental health of especially adolescents and young adults. Certainly a lot of work. Uh, for everyone in this field to do to try to isolate and address that problem. Luca, Alexi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode. I hope you'll send your feedback. You can write to me at justin at techpolicy.press or find us on Twitter at Tech Policy Press. Thanks to my guests, thanks to my co-founder, Brian Jones, and thank you for listening. Tech Policy Press.